Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. to our unstoppable God today.
Good morning. Welcome to Peckway Church. Go ahead and have a seat. It's so great to see you here today. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm the worship pastor, and it's uh, always an honor and privilege to worship with you guys. You know, we've been preparing and expecting you, and our prayer today is that you will find an encouragement and, uh, as we worship together and look into God's Word today. If you would, please take a look inside of your bulletin. There is a gray connection card, and for those of you online, you'll find a connect link in your chat window. Also, if you're a first-time guest, you can simply just take out your mobile phone, and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679 and follow those prompts there. Uh, and the reason we ask you all to do this, to fill out the card, in person online or to, to do the text in church there. Uh, it's just simply so we can open a line of communication and we can uh, provide resources to you, provide information to help you see if Peckway Church is a, is a good fit for you, and also to provide resources for you in your journey with Jesus. Here at Peckway Church, we love to connect people to God and one another, and we believe that prayer is one way that we can do that. And so if you would like prayer, uh, please write that request on the back of the card, uh, and also you can do that online as well. There's going to be a, a link there that you can do that as well. Um, but our staff and a team of dedicated uh, prayer warriors are, uh, we love to partner with you and pray along with you with any of those uh, requests that you share. So thank you uh, if you are willing to do that today. We would love to do that with you. And then those here in person, you can just drop that gray card in the box that's at the back of the room uh, before you exit out the double doors there. Well, today as we continue our sermon series, Faith Over Fear, we're going to look at how fears left unchecked uh, can become giants in our lives, causing us to lose our focus, and often it hijacks our confidence uh, as who we are as children of God. And so if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, though, you have everything that you need, all the power and authority that Jesus gives us to be, to be able to overcome the battles that we face in our life. You just simply need to step out in faith and just trust him to lead. Uh, you know, so my question is this morning, what fears are you focusing on today? What things uh, maybe have you wrapped your identity around or what's causing you to question your faith and, and who you are? If you're having trouble answering those questions, then you are in the right place because I believe that God wants to help you answer those questions and to have peace. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what, uh, Lord, you're going to do today. We thank you that we can be called a child of God. And, Lord, that we can uh, have that assurance today when we trust in you, when we step out in faith, Lord, when we uh, look to you instead of our circumstances, instead of the things that are going on around us, things that would cause us to have fear. Lord, if we are your child, would you reassure us today? As we run into your arms, Father, that we are chosen, that we're forgiven, that we're loved. And if there's someone here uh, in this room or online, Father, that if they don't know you today, would today be the day that they come to know you as their Father? And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we do that this morning? As we think about what we just saw, like where are we putting our faith, our identity? Are we, is it in Jesus? 
Or is it in the fact that we are his child, not in the circumstances? Let's sing together. Who am I that the highest king would welcome? I was lost, but he brought me his love for me. His love for me. Whom the sun sets free or is free
battle belongs to him. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. We have a new song we want to introduce to you, and it's because of the blood of Jesus that we have victory. He promises us eternal life when we give our lives to him, when we turn our lives over to him and trust him, his blood washes away our sins. And so we want to thank him for that today. If you know this song, I invite you to sing along with us. If not, just let these words wash over you today and help you thank Jesus for what he's done for us.
was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time Sin separated The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You had me in your sight So you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owed Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I had hope Thank you, Jesus, for the blood
Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Thank you for the blood that you shed for us, how you gave your life for us, Jesus, so that we could have eternal life with you, so that, Father, we uh, could live with you forever, but also that you washed our sins away, Father, that you repaired the broken relationship between us, Father, that now we can have perfect peace. We can have uh, guidance, Lord, through our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, help us as we look into your word today to see how our faith can be strengthened as we turn our eyes to you, Jesus, that the fears around us would fade away. So, God, that we would be courage to take those steps of faith that we need to do today. Help us to examine our hearts and our lives, God. Help us to know, Lord, as we look into your word today, would it be a mirror to help us to reflect, Father, what it is, uh, maybe where we're not lining up in, uh, in, in line with you, Father, today. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would have your will and your way in this service. God, we thank you for your presence here with us and what you're going to do. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott, and thank you, team. Good morning, church. It's great to be with all of you this morning. As we continue our series, Faith Over Fear, this is part three of our series, and we're going to be camped out in 1 Samuel 17 today. And if you... uh, brought your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up to 1 Samuel 17, and or you can grab one of the pew Bibles, and if you're using one of those, it's found on page 197 and 198. Now, um, I just want to say, because it's such a long passage, um, I don't like not doing it, but I'm not going to read the whole passage, um, just because it'll take so much time. Um, so, we're going to... I'm going to still obviously reference and walk us through a good bit of this passage, but I just won't read it out loud. Um, But it's a passage that, uh, Lord willing, many of us or most of us are familiar with. It's a story that we know of as David and Goliath. And I believe that as we look at this story, again, we've been seeing how King Saul has been a man who has been operating out of a a fear-based mindset rather than a faith-based mindset. And we see once again how that seems to be the underlying theme throughout this story of 1 Samuel 17, throughout the story of of David and Goliath. But as we talk about faith over fear, I, I must confess, as I walk past those tables out there, I'm starting to get a little more fearful each week. I don't know if it's because I'm the new guy that, you know, you guys are picking on me or, or what, but uh, looks like I might be getting a pie in the face in a couple weeks. So, yeah, somebody's giving thumbs up. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so, no, but seriously, thank you for all those generous donations, and uh, I just think of all the, the kids that are going to receive those and, and uh, put those to good use, so thank you for that. Now, the story of David and Goliath is one that continually speaks to us. I mean, who among us has not encountered fear that loomed large in our lives, either due to perhaps a a person in our lives that was bringing that fear or maybe another situation? And as Scott mentioned earlier, unchecked fear tends to make issues appear bigger than they really are. You know, did you ever hear that, that old phrase, uh, why are you making a mountain out of a molehill? You know, when I um, was growing up, I wasn't growing up in a Christian home. I didn't have that influence, and um, I could share a whole bunch more about that. But when I was in high school, for example, uh, I was this kid that was just searching for my identity. I didn't know who I was. And... I was an athlete, and I was connected to the the popular crowd, but I was, like Saul, I was guided by fear, related to my lack of identity, not knowing who I was. And so whenever I would be in a large group with the in crowd, I would always be that kid that would be on the fringe. I would say hi and goodbye, 
because I was afraid that if I were to say anything else, that somebody in the group might think that what I said was ridiculous or just plain stupid, and then I would be labeled ridiculous or stupid, and thus I'd be ostracized then from the in crowd. So I was that kid that was always on the fringe, but I was always allowing fear to guide my interactions rather than uh, my identity in who, well, I didn't even know Jesus at the time, so I didn't even know what my identity was or where it was to be found. Right, that's one, um, one of the things I tell my daughters uh, daily is uh, I tell them a couple things usually at night when I'm saying good, good, yeah, goodbye to them. Good night to them. I say, um, I love you. I'm glad you're my daughter. Always follow Jesus wherever he leads you. And don't be afraid of failing. Be afraid of not trying. Because when I was growing up, I was guided so much by fear that it kept me from doing so many things. And I don't want my daughters to grow up experiencing and living into the fear that, that I did. And so I say that because when we look at uh, 1 Samuel 17, when we look at the story of David and Goliath, we see how, again, how fear just, just grips us from the inside out. And if I had to boil this down today to one main point, it would be this. No matter what we face in this life, we already have victory in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. No matter what we face in this life, we already have victory in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be gathered together with brothers and sisters. And I just pray that your spirit would just fall fresh upon us in this moment. And that in that process, you would give us open eyes to see, open ears to hear, and open hearts to understand that reality of who we are and whose we are and how that is rooted in the victory that is already ours through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that as I speak these words that I believe you have placed on my heart, Lord, that they would be pleasing and honoring to you, Lord Jesus. We lift this up to you in your precious and holy name. Amen. And so there are a few things when we look at chapter 17 of 1 Samuel here, the David and Goliath uh, passage that many of us probably learned about in Sunday school. There are a few key principles related to how fear works in this situation. And the first one is this. Fear will try to make us forget our true identity. Fear seeks to make us for, try to forget who we truly are. And I think one example from this passage can be seen in verse 8. In verse 8, this is where Goliath comes out and challenges the Israelites. So essentially what's happening here, we have the Israelite army with King Saul on one hill. And then across the valley, we have uh, Goliath and the Philistine army on another hill. And each day for 40 days, we're told, they're just kind of... Trying to intimidate one another, shouting back and forth to one another for that period of, of 40 days. And every day, Goliath, who is this giant of a man, comes out and lays down a personal challenge to the Israelites. And that's where we, we pick it up here in verse 8. Because, well, let's just see what verse 8 says. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. Now, I, I want to focus in on that phrase where he says, Are you not servants of Saul? Because what happens sometimes is, sometimes other people want to speak identities into us or over us. Now, yes, there's a sense where they are servants of Saul because Saul is their king, but primarily whose servants are they? God's. God's. But if you were to read this passage, we're told, as I mentioned, that this, this kind of back and forth intimidation is going on for 40 days. And interestingly enough, over that time, we're, the, the author never tells us that they stopped to pray. There's, there's no word from a prophet 
coming to, to speak to the Israelites, they are forgetting whose they are. They are forgetting that they are servants of the living God. And so for 40 days, they are standing there in fear. And so there seems to be a lack of relationship with the Lord at this point in time. If we were to go back to chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, we would see something interesting because how Goliath keeps coming out and making this this challenge to the Israelites, send one of your men out to me and we'll fight each other and whoever wins, then the other side will will submit to, uh, uh, the losing side will submit to the, the winning side. And so a question we could ask is, well, who in Israel would be a match for Goliath? Well, according to chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, um, in this chapter, that's where uh, Saul is anointed as king and he's brought out from a, a, a house and brought before the Israelites. And in verses 23 and 24 of chapter 10, we're told these little details. They ran and brought Saul out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel, the prophet, said to the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Do you see those details? Who should have been the one stepping out onto the field to take on Goliath? Should have been King Saul. He was a head taller than everybody else. Essentially, he was a giant of a man himself. To use Samuel the prophet's words, there was nobody else like him in all of Israel. But until David comes on the scene, we don't hear anything about King Saul in this passage. Friends, when we forget our true identity in Christ, one of the things that happens is that we will begin to look for it elsewhere, just like that that video that we watched earlier. We'll look for it in our work. In our education, we'll look for it in our own image. We'll look for it through relationships, through perhaps finances or vacations and fancy trips and things like that. Essentially, what happens is this. We begin to look horizontally for what we can only find vertically. I'm going to say that again. We begin to look horizontally to find what we can only receive vertically in our relationship with God. And you know what? The advertising industry, even though they might not have that Christian language behind it, the advertising industry deeply understands this, perhaps sometimes more than we do. You want to be an outdoors person? Well, you better drive a, a Subaru Outback or some sort of Jeep, right? Because then that will give you that image, even if you never drive more than five miles from your house. That's how it works, friends. We look horizontally instead of looking vertically for our true identity. Look at verses 9 and 10 here, back in our passage, chapter 17. Because when we forget our true identity, fear will try to make us think that we have to fight our battles on our own. Look at verses 9 and 10. Goliath goes on to say, If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Verse 11. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. When Saul and his troops fail to look vertically for what they need in this moment, they look horizontally and they give in to the contagion of fear. Friends, I want to remind us this morning that the process of discipleship is always happening. 
There's never a moment where we are not being discipled in some way, shape, or form. We are either being formed more and more into the image and likeness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or we are being deformed to look more and more like the world and the ways of the world. So at any given moment, we are either being formed or deformed, more like Christ or more like the world. And I want to remind us this morning of the importance of being in the Word of God. Because when we are in the Word of God, until the Word of God gets into us, essentially what we're doing is we are knowing and allowing the truth of God's Word to saturate our lives. See, it's not not just about reading this book. It's not just about memorizing these verses and these passages. It's about getting what's in here, in here. Because this book reminds us continually of who we are and whose we are. The Word of God needs to be central in our lives. As we see in this passage that that there seems to be no relationship. There's no reminders anywhere at this moment in in Israel's point of, of their journey. There's no, there's no reminders, no prophets. They're not saying, hey, remember who we actually are. Instead, they see Goliath, and for 40 days, every day he comes out, they're dismayed and they shake in terror for 40 days. What does God tell us about who we are through his word? So much. We are adopted. We are redeemed. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are his sons and his daughters. We are his royal priesthood. Yeah, you are a priest in God's kingdom. Every one of us who's been covered by the blood of Jesus, just like we, we sung about, we are priests in his kingdom. We could go on and on. Scripture has so much truth to speak into our hearts and lives about who we are in him. But a question for us is, do you know who you truly are in Jesus Christ this morning? Do we know who we truly are in him? Our second point, when faced with fear, we need to take time to remember who we are and whose we are. We need to take time to remember. That could take place in in many different ways. And for, for Israel in this moment, they don't remember who they are until David, young David, comes onto the scene. Look at verse 26. But before I read that verse, let me just fill in some blanks. So David, at this point, he's a young man, probably just a teenage boy. And he's out tending the, the family flock. And his dad calls him in and says, here's some cheese and some bread and some other things. I want you to take these to the front lines where your brothers are. His older brothers are, are with the army, the military, and they're off fighting this, this battle, even though it's not really a battle at this point. But uh, that's where they are. And so David obediently goes and he delivers the, uh, the, the food to his brothers. And um, he's inquiring about what's going on and how everything's looking. And it's while he's there, Goliath comes out again, giving his daily uh, challenge. And in verse 26, we have David's words here. He says, it says, David asked the men... Standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, essentially there's a contrast at work here. Because for 40 days, what the troops see in Goliath is a... A, a giant of a man, they see a, uh, 
somebody who is to be feared, um, somebody who is defying Israel. But what David sees is the opposite. David sees, to use the words of verse 26, an uncircumcised Philistine. Now, David's not just um, trying to insult him with that phrase. There's, there's meaning there. To refer to him as an uncircumcised Philistine is essentially to say, who is this guy who worships dead gods? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? He doesn't worship the living God. He's an uncircumcised, non-follower of Yahweh. And he's defying not just Israel, but that means he is defying the army of the living God. This is a reminder for us, as David demonstrates here, that God sees things differently than we do. God's spirit-filled people see things through the eyes of God. But when we are looking through the lens of fear, we tend to see things that are not as they actually are. We could go back to the very next chapter, uh, or the previous chapter, chapter 16. That's where David, um, the young boy, is anointed as Israel's next king. So God, we're already told, and we talked about this last week, God has uh, rejected Saul as king over Israel, and he, we're told that he's chosen a man after his own heart, that's David. And so um, God sends the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse. And Jesse has a bunch of sons, and David is the youngest. And um, Samuel, I always, wanna, I always mix up Samuel and Saul in my head, so I have to say to myself before I speak it. Um, Samuel, the prophet, goes to uh, Jesse's house and he says, Jesse, gather all your, your sons before me. And as Samuel stands before them, oldest to youngest, because the oldest would always be the one that would get the, the blessing, right? Not the youngest. That's how it was in that culture. He stands before the oldest and God says, no. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, Culturally speaking, at that time, that would be the, he would be the one. So he goes to the next youngest, God says, no. And he goes to the next youngest, and God says, no. And on down the line, until all the sons that are before him, um, he says, right, do you have any other sons? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, there's just David, but he's just out in the field tending the flock. And the prophet Samuel says, well, go get him. We'll all just stand here until he, he comes. And when David comes in, the young teenage boy, God says to the prophet, he says, him. Yes. And in verse 7 of chapter 16, that's where we're told that God, he says, don't look on the outward appearance. Humanity looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. That's why, friends, it's so important for us to take time to remember who we are and whose we are. When we are in situations, do we see problems that are to be feared? Or instead, do we see opportunities for God to be glorified? Because what we see will determine what we do. Our third point. Fear can lead others to speak and act in a way that will attempt to counter our faith. So stay focused. We need to stay focused. Twice, David has uh, people speak something over him that are, is really untrue. And we need, to be where, we need to be aware of that too. In verse 28, his older brother Eliab speaks lies over him. Look at verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Do you see all the, the untruths there? First of all, he came just because, well, in God's sovereignty, God was orchestrating this. But uh, um, he came in obedience to his dad. 
He said, here, take this cheese and bread, take it to your brothers and the other troops and, and go see how they're doing, right? That's why he went. But we're told already, and I've already pointed this out numerous times, that we're told that David was a man whose heart was after God's own heart. And so, but his brother here is saying, I know who you are. I know that your, your heart is full of conceit. That's a lie. Right? And then he tries to kind of put him down a little bit. Who, if you're here, who's out there tending those few little sheep we have out there? Well, we know in this passage that um, tending sheep was no small thing. David will talk later about how he fought the bear and he fought the lion and defended the sheep. But his brother's like, who's tending those little, few little sheep out there? No, David had a big role tending the whole flock. Multitudes of sheep. His brother's speaking lies over him. And then King Saul, who is, again, just operating under that contagion of the fear virus, King Saul says in verse 33, he says to David, you are not able to go out and fight the Philistine. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Oh, you're, you're too young. You're too little. You're too small. Did anybody ever say anything like that to you? I, I'm just struck in the moment. just comes to my mind that um, we need to be careful how we speak to our, our children around us because the same Holy Spirit that's in us is the same Holy Spirit that's in them too, right? God can use them just as powerfully as he can use us. But here Saul is saying, you're too young, you're too small. He's a giant of a man who's been a warrior since, since he was your age. How are you going to fight him? You can't do that. How can this look in our lives? Um, from 2003 to 2013, uh, Stacy and I lived in the northern Poconos pastoring a church up there and uh, it was about a three-hour drive three and a half hour drive or so from um, York Lancaster area way up in almost in the upstate New York beautiful area the deer outnumbered the people um, and whenever I would talk to my parents usually I would talk to I'd call them every Sunday afternoon as I was driving home from from worship and check in with them it wasn't uncommon for my mom to make a statement something like this so when are you coming home? When are you coming home? Now, I get where that's coming from. I'm, I'm one of her children. We're three hours away. We don't get to, to see them much, and she misses us. And, um, but I would have to remind her gently, Mom, I, I am home. This is where God has us. This is, this is our home. Sometimes it can be subtle like that. Right? Or how about um, another way this can happen in the church is a young person maybe feel, feel called to cross-cultural global missions. And maybe they feel like God's calling them to the Middle East to minister to, to Muslims, let's say. Not an easy task, right? That's a little more than three hours away. But sometimes... As parents or grandparents or, or even just church family, we could say things from, from perhaps good intention, but we can say things like, but that's not safe. Are you sure God is calling you there? I don't think you should go. Can't you just serve right here as well? Did you ever have a conversation like that? We need to be careful as followers of Jesus who are deeply rooted in him. We need to stay focused so that we're following him. So that we are obeying what God has called us to do. And on the other side of that coin, we need to make sure that we're not trying to talk people out of what God has called them to do. For David in this situation, it doesn't matter how big the issue is. It doesn't matter how big Goliath is and how young he is. Because for David, who's living in or out of that deep-rooted faith in God, everything else pales in comparison to the Lord. The lion that he, he um, 
killed and rescued the sheep from, the bear that he killed and rescued the sheep from, this uncircumcised Philistine that he's preparing to battle with, none of these things compare to his God. Which brings us to our fourth point. A life of faith rather than fear. A life of faith strengthens us to stand boldly in the face of fear and difficulty. Faith helps us stand boldly in the face of fear and difficulty. I love verses 45 through 48. Because at this point, David, David tried to put Saul's armor on, but it didn't fit, so he takes it off. And, and uh, so he's just walking out there, and we're told that he just has a, a sling, and he picks up five uh, smooth stones from the, uh, the, the dry creek bed there, and... and um, that's all he has. Remember Saul, or excuse me, uh, Goliath has his own armor bearer. He has a, a shield that, that weighs, I don't know, the equivalent. It's, it's heavy. He's got this heavy giant sword. He's got this spear with this big giant head on it. Um, all of these things are big and heavy. And here's David with just a, a sling and some stones. And in verses... 45 through 48, they're facing each other on in the middle of that valley with the armies looking on. And David says to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. He doesn't say, I come at you with my sling. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord God. The Almighty. Verse 46. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered there, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. In verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Whenever I read this passage, verse 48 just jumps out at me like a neon sign. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. He ran toward Goliath. When we know and take time to remember that the Lord is going before us, that the battle belongs to him, that he is fighting for us, that all we need to do is be still, to use those words from Psalm 46 verse 10, friends, everything changes. We find that the fear that is trying to grip our hearts, that begins to melt, and in its place, hope begins to rise. Turn to Exodus 14, verses 13 through 14. And I turn here just as an example and also an, an application. Now, this is something that God reminds us of over and over and over again in Scripture. He is the God who's going before us, full stop. He is the God who is fighting our battles for us, full stop. And so here are, here's Israel in this moment. They are freshly released slaves. They are out in the wilderness, and before them is this body of water called the Red Sea. They can't cross that. They can't get through that. They're stuck. It might as well be a wall. And behind them, they turn around, and what's coming behind them? They see dust flying and they can hear the, the, the hooves of the horses and the wheels of the chariots as Pharaoh and his army is barreling down on them, literally between a rock and a hard place. Can't go forward, can't go backwards, they'll definitely get slaughtered. But listen to what God tells them through the prophet Moses. Look at verses 13 and 14. The people are complaining. Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? Moses answers the people, Do not be afraid. 
Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be what? Still. Well, that sounds like Psalm 4610, doesn't it? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. When we feel like we're trapped, we're hemmed in on either side, that's not when we take matters into our own hands. It's in those moments that we need to just stop and lean on the Lord and allow Him to provide the way out for us just as He promises. I would suggest that we could even take these two verses in Exodus 14 and we could personalize them and make them our personal prayer. Just take out that word Egyptians and put in whatever it is is barreling down on you. Whatever it is is causing fear for you. Let's personalize this. God, help me not to be afraid, but help me to stand firm and allow you to deliver me. This issue, fill in the blank, this issue that I'm dealing with today, God, this issue that is causing fear to rise up within me, I pray, God, that I will never see it again. I pray, Lord, that you will fight for me and that I, in faith, will only be still in your presence. Friends, stand boldly in him. And our last point, point five, and this is just another reminder of what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. Just as fear is contagious, so is our faith. Right? So we saw how Saul's fear affected the troops and the vice versa. And we saw in the beginning of this passage how um, for 40 days everybody was literally shaking in their armor, afraid. It takes David to show up on the scene and God's sovereignty, and to act in faith to inspire the rest of the troops to act in faith. Look at verse 52, back in 1 Samuel 17. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sha'arim road to Gath and Ekron. Do you see what's happening there now? Thousands of men that were shaking in their armor are now inspired to go forward to do what God had called them to do from the very beginning. It's a reminder for us that we need to be conscious, conscious of who we are around. Are we around other mature believers that are living by faith and inspire us to also live by faith in our day-to-day living? This too is a key part of discipleship. Remember, our emotions are contagious, our fear is contagious, but so is our faith. And so in closing, I want to encourage us this morning to remember, just as we said at the beginning and as we sung this morning, Jesus has already won victory for us. And I love what Paul says to the Colossian church in Colossians 2, 14 and 15. He reminds us of this of what was accomplished through the cross of Christ. He says, Having canceled our charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, Jesus has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so, in light of this truth, in light of the victory that is ours in Jesus, two keys that I want to leave us with today. Two keys to living by faith is to just simply embrace that faith. What do we mean by that word faith? Simply knowing and trusting that Jesus is who he said he is and that he did what he claimed to do and he will do what he promises to do, especially when things may appear otherwise. And from that place of faith, be people of action. Allow that faith to inspire how you live daily in the reality of his victory because his victory is our victory.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you so much for your word to us today. Thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has won the victory. The battle is yours, and the battle is already won. We stand victorious so that we can say, along with the Apostle Paul, that right now we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. Why? Because the reality that the battle has already been won. Help us to be still in that victory. Father, I pray for us that we would know deep in our heart who we truly are in you. Would you just speak your truth over us? May we know who, what our true identity, not, not what the world tries to tell us from looking vertically, but that we in our hearts and minds would look, or look vertically to you, not horizontally to the world. And God, I pray for those among us here who have yet to receive you and know you through your Son and our Savior, Jesus. I pray that you would just so move in their hearts today, Lord, that they would come to know who they are in you and submit their lives to you, Lord. We lift this up to you in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, Chris, for that message today. So just briefly before we go, what decision would you make today in hearing God's word? I think it's always best that we come to a point where we take what we've heard and we make a choice, uh, that we don't just let these words just kind of roll through our mind and, or like a duck, uh, water rolling off its back. So do, we, you know, do you need to have prayer for victory over something? If you're willing, write that on the card today. You could do that online as well. Um, or maybe you want to pray for a contagious faith. Um, you can do any of those things. Think about some of those things you did. And if you don't have that answer right now, maybe later in this week, think about it. Write it down uh, someplace and pray about that. And uh, also just want to remind you, I think this, is, uh, this week is our last week to gather supplies for school supplies. I know our VBS uh, uh, kids have been doing that. So it's going to be a great celebration next week. So thank you for all your gifts and the things you've been giving. Uh, you can also give this morning. There's envelopes at the back of the room. I'm going to ask the host to put that give link in the, uh, in the chat window there. But as part of our worship, giving is a way that we can worship the Lord. So I appreciate uh, your gifts and uh, you doing that each and every week. Thank you for your attention today and worshiping. I look forward to doing it again next week as we continue this series of Faith Over Fear. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.